from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Washington Watch. Broadcasting from the heart of our nation's capital, we bring you the latest insights, analysis, and interviews on the most pressing issues facing you and your family. So for the next hour, we'll navigate the complexities of our nation's capital with clarity, integrity, and a relentless pursuit of truth. Washington Watch starts now. One of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. So I stand before you today, Mr. President, and my colleagues to say this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. That was Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell today announcing he is ending his run as the longest serving Senate leader. Senator McConnell's greatest contribution is a judiciary tethered to the Constitution. And that was the result of his laser focus during the Trump administration on confirming constitutionalists to the federal bench. Well, meanwhile, in the Senate, the fear mongering continues with scare leader Chuck Schumer. If our House Republican colleagues of goodwill will, will want to avert a shutdown, if they want to govern responsibly, as they say they do, they must resist the centrifugal pull of the extreme hard right who want to burn everything down, who openly use the threat of a shutdown to push their extreme agenda. Really? Really? Who's pushing an extreme agenda? Open borders with terrorists and criminals and murderers coming across, uncontrollable debt-fueled spending, 34, almost $35 trillion in debt, America last policies? Who's got an extreme agenda? We're going to talk with Utah Senator Mike Lee in just a moment. And, and, and brace, yourself, brace yourself for this one. Our anger at these murders and other criminal activities will drive us to continue to improve our community's safety as we've been pursuing for so many years. I empathize with the frustration and anger so many are feeling right now. In the main, I caution against conflating immigration and crime. The data demonstrates that the two are not connected. That was Athens Democrat Mayor Kelly Gertz responding to the outcry over the murder of nursing student Lakin Riley, saying, quote, crime and immigration are not connected, end quote. What's not connected in Athens is the mayor with truth and common sense. We're going to talk with Georgia Congressman Rich McCormick a little bit later. Unfortunately, being ill-informed is often a bipartisan issue. Today, I'm trying to work with members on both sides of the aisle together to condemn the ruling in Alabama, to sh express our sentiment and express our support for IBS, IVF access for women all across the country. That was South Carolina Republican Congresswoman Nancy Mace running in the left stampede that totally, totally mischaracterizes the Alabama Supreme Court decision that simply says that embryos of unborn children are children. Now, just moments ago on the Senate floor, Mississippi Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith exposed how the left is distorting the Alabama Supreme Court decision to advance a plethora of bad policy that's being facilitated by Republicans like Nancy Mace. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith joins us later here on Washington Watch. And uh, don't worry. Don't worry about how they misused the money. Don't worry about what they were involved in. Just give them the money. 
what the Secretary General would like to see is a return uh, of funding to UNRWA from those partners who have paused uh, their funding. Uh, we are doing whatever we can to answer their questions, uh, to answer their concerns. That was uh, Stephen Dejaric, the spokesperson for the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres, saying that give UNRWA the money. It doesn't matter if they were reportedly connected to the terrorist group Hamas. They were involved in the October 7th massacre of innocent civilians. Give them the money. But not everyone agrees. New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith just returned from Geneva, and he joins us later to discuss the actions of UNRWA and the World Health Organization. But before we dive into today's issues, let's remember the bedrock principles that guide us here. Faith, family, and freedom. Now, these are not just words, but values that form the foundation of our nation's greatness. So whether you're joining us from the heart of Washington, D.C., or from the heartland of America, I encourage you to stand up, speak up, and be a part of the solution. Well, following an Oval Office meeting with the president and other congressional leaders yesterday, House Speaker Mike Johnson remained optimistic that progress has been made to avoid a partial government shutdown before Friday's deadline. Now, could we see another continuing resolution allowing time to finalize appropriations bills? And will these uh, final deals yield conservative wins or will this be more of policy by Chuck Schumer? Joining me now to discuss the latest is Senator Mike Lee of Utah. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Judiciary Committee and the Senate Budget Committee. He joins us by phone as the, uh, the Senate is uh, currently working on legislation. He'll be voting soon. Senator, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much, Tony. Good to be with you. So, Senator, uh, some big news today. The Senate uh, Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, stepping down after serving uh, as the longest-running uh, Republican leader. Uh, what do you anticipate being the next chapter for Republicans in the Senate? Well, first of all, I congratulate Senator McConnell on a record um, record long tenure as leader. And, and I hope that uh, for whatever time he has left as leader, he's indicated an intent to step down in November, but whatever time remains, uh, I hope he'll choose to spend that time fighting to secure America's borders and unifying the Senate Republican conference around Republican priorities. Republicans really need to stand together now more than ever against Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden's destructive agenda. Uh, we, we've lost some of that of late, and, and I would love it if he finished on a strong note by showing he's willing to unify Republicans around Republican policies. Well, let's talk about some of those policies, like the border. I mean, the, the American public laser-focused on that issue. I mean, it, it's, it's reaching a level of almost 80 percent of Americans say the border needs to be dealt with. Uh, is that something we're going to see happen? Yeah, I, I would love to see it happen. I've been advocating for that to happen. The Biden administration wants the Biden administration to be funded. And what I've been encouraging my colleagues is to say that they've got something that they want. They want their government funded fully and as if nothing had happened, as if we hadn't just been invaded by 10 million people, as if we hadn't had women and girls being raped and murdered left and right across the country by people who are here unlawfully. And given that we have something that they want, we should ask them to pass legislation as, as part of that spending bill that would force the issue of border security, that would actually force them to secure the border. 
There's a bill that passed the House of Representatives known as H.R. 2. That would force the issue. I think we should attach that to our spending bill. They want to fund the government. We want to make sure that the border is secure. We should attach H.R. 2. Now, if the second anybody says that, we say, oh, you're calling for a shutdown. No, that's, that's, that's not what this is. But in order to anticipate that, I'd say even if they won't do that, a fallback position could be rather than passing an omnibus or a, a, a series of, uh, of what they call minibus provisions, uh, a quarter to half or, or more of all federal discretionary spending in, in one bill, if they, if they are unwilling to attach HR2, then we should say, okay, in that case, Let's stick with the continuing resolution that would take us through the end of September, through the end of the fiscal year. The reason for that is not something I normally like, but we've got this Thomas Massey language that was incorporated into some legislation last year. It says that if we continue to operate through a continuing resolution through the end of this fiscal year, $100 billion in cuts will kick in. That's a pretty big win. So they can have it either way, but I think Republicans need to stand united. I'm calling upon uh, uh, Speaker Johnson, the House Republicans, and my colleagues in the Senate, stand united and say, we want H.R. 2 attached to any spending bill. And if, if they're not willing to, to do that, then the best we should do, the most we should give them beyond that is, okay, you get a, a full-year CR through the balance of this fiscal year, that is, and $100 billion in cuts. That's fair. We should not give them another inch. Senator, you've been in the Senate for a while and you've seen these moments come and go. I would see this as one of the greatest leverage points that Republicans have had to actually get something done when it comes to the border. Yep, that's that's exactly right. This is an opportunity, a huge opportunity to do this. And there, there will not be a better opportunity for us to fix this, there will not be another opportunity at all between now and, effectively speaking, the end of the Biden administration, or at least the end of of this calendar year, after which we hope Biden will no longer be president. There aren't that many that many ships that pass this way. This is the right. last ship passing, and if we get this wrong, we're going to be stuck with spending at least a hundred billion dollars a year more than we have to without a secure border, and without any guarantees that they're not going to stick FISA 702 reauthorization without any warrant requirement for conducting backdoor warrantless searches searches on, on American citizens. That's unconscionable. It's unthinkable. And neither Mitch McConnell nor Speaker Mike Johnson nor any Republican serving in either chamber should be content with that outcome. Now, uh, Senator Lee, my, my conversations with those in the House have been, I think you get the, the, the bulk of the Republicans would support a year-long CR, as you said, to the end of this fiscal year that triggers those cuts. But you have some of the defense hawks uh, in the Republican ranks that don't want to do this because they want to see more money come into defense. So you're, And you only have like a two-seat margin there to work with. First of all, how's that working out for us, Tony? How's that working out for us? You know, saluting the military-industrial complex at every turn and saying year after year, Republicans saying, well, uh, I don't want to spend this much, and we, we ought to be able to have some sort of policy win here. We're not getting that. 
but gosh, the troops and the Pentagon demand it that get more weapons to buy. We got to give them whatever they want. And they rope a dope us in, into giving them whatever we want. That, Tony, is why we're $34 trillion yeah. in debt. Well, and, and you can that, also. Tony, is giving money to a Pentagon that is woke, it's right. more focused on being politically correct than it is on actually protecting American national security. That, Tony, is giving hard earned American taxpayer dollars to America's enemies or those determined to assist America's enemies. We right. shouldn't be facilitating any of that, not with this administration, not with this Department of Defense, not with Secretary Lloyd Austin, who has betrayed the American people in so many ways. No, sir, not this time. We're not following. We're right. not following for that, and neither should any Republican. I agree 100 percent. This is the moment to cut out. I mean, force them to choose between their woke DEI policies and actually doing what their mission calls for. Uh, Senator, we're out of time up against the break, but always appreciate having you on the program. And thank you for standing firm for faith, family and freedom there in the United States Senate. Thank you. Good to be with you, Tony. All right. Senator Mike Lee of Utah. Great guy. All right. Coming up, the mayor of the city in which a 22 year old nursing student was uh, killed, allegedly by an illegal immigrant, says there's no connection. Calm down, folks. Calm down. Calm down. There's no connection between crime and immigration. And, and by the way, even though we said that we were a sanctuary city, we're not really a sanctuary city. We're, we, just, we just don't enforce the law, that's all. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about it next. Georgia Congressman Rich McCormick joins us here on Washington Watch. Still to come, we're going to be talking about the, uh, the misreading intentionally of the Alabama decision. That's coming up. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. 
Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you uh, with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, by the way, uh, we're still collecting signatures on the border petition that we're going to be delivering to Republican leadership. So you can sign it. Text the word border to 67742. That's the word border to 67742. You'll get a link. If you've not yet signed it and you're not sure if you want to, we'll wait until we finish this next segment. Now, the recent murder of a 22-year-old nursing student, Lakeland Riley, allegedly by an illegal immigrant with an arrest history in this country, highlights once again the damage inflicted by the left's public policy decisions. They're open borders. Now, this is even as the left tries to deny the obvious connection. Oh, there's no connection. The murder has also drawn attention to the non-government organizations that literally are raking in millions of taxpayer dollars even as they smuggle migrants past Border Patrol agents. And there's reportedly connections here between uh, the suspect in this case and one of these federally funded organizations. The mayor of Athens, while he may claim that his city is not technically a sanctuary city, do, do, do the facts on the ground actually bear that out? Joining me now to discuss this and more, Congressman Rich McCormick. He serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, the House Armed Services Committee, and uh, he represents the 6th Congressional District of Georgia. He is also a decorated Marine helicopter pilot and an emergency room doctor. Dr. McCormick, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to be with you today. All right. So the suspect in this murder crossed illegally into the United States in 2022, was arrested, released, arrested, released. Um... And now the mayor of Athens, Georgia, your state, says, ah, there's no connection between illegal immigration and crime. Your reaction? Uh, first of all, it's kind of chilling because about two weeks ago, I was in a, a uh, Uber. The driver was telling me about how he came across the border four months ago, and he's with people from various countries, including Venezuela, uh, in which four of the people that they were traveling with were bragging about murdering people in their home countries. We're talking murderers who came across the border with him and went out into the country, never were taken into account. They're one of the two million people that have come across the border in the last three years that have gotten away, that nobody knows who they are, where they came from, what their background is. Uh, there are some nefarious people coming across the border. What we've noticed is Venezuela is having record low in crimes lately. Why do you think that is? Because they've entered their jails and they're coming here. They're getting rid of their criminals. Bad people are crossing the border. We have fentanyl coming across in record amounts. We have record number of deaths from fentanyl. We have record amount of child trafficking rape, 
murder. Think about the things that are happening, just the drunk driving alone from the illegal immigration. The, the, the fact that these people are, are murdering people by crashing into other people. I watched it when I was in the, at the ER. I literally saw a person going down the wrong side of the road, drunk as a skunk, here illegally, killed two people in the ER on my shift. This is nothing new. I've been talking about it for years. This is a significant problem. If you're coming to this country and committing crimes, and then you continue to com commit crimes after you've been released, what are we doing? This has been a problem in Gwinnett County for, for years. We fought this battle and lost. It sucks. So the mayor, uh, Kelly Gertz, says that, look, um, we're, we're not a sanctuary city. Now, in part, it's because Georgia state law prohibits cities from enacting policies that would make them a sanctuary city. However, it appears that in practice and in statements, Athens is a sanctuary city. It's not just the city. We have entire counties where when people are arrested, they stay right in place. They get released like they're regular civilians. They're not. They're here illegally. They're committing crimes, and then they're getting released anyways. This should be an ICE issue. Somebody gets arrested, they're here illegally, they get sent back to their country. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's, that's the law. Imagine following the law. Obama used to talk about it. We are a nation of laws. That's why he exported people, deported people uh, when they broke laws. That should continue to be our policy. The left keeps insisting that, hey, 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 calm down, calm down. Don't, don't politicize the murder of a 22-year-old student. I mean, what, how, how else do we look at this? This is their policies. This is the outcome that we're seeing from their open border policies. How else can you look at it? Easy to say calm down when it's not your daughter, when it's not your son, when it's not your child. Uh, if you think about the diseases coming here, we're seeing measles for the first time in, in a generation. We're seeing uh, TB. By the way, don't forget, we have about 20 million latent cases of TB around the world. We don't have a problem here in the United States. But guess what's going to happen? Guaranteed we're going to have a bunch of disease uh, coming to the United States. And by the way, every person who comes in here with a chronic condition, it's on your dime. Every single dialysis patient, a million dollars per year. Uh, every single cancer patient, every single heart disease, every single emphysema, it's all on your dime. We this. It's not just border. It's not just crime. It's debt. This is going to cost us billions and billions of dollars. We're shipping people over. This used to be kind of a rumor. Now we've confirmed it. We can see these organizations are shipping people wherever they want, all over the world, on our dime, on an airplane, getting free transportation to a place where they're going to get free food, free housing, free medicine, all on our dime. And they can't work. Legally, they cannot work. They cannot pay taxes. All they can do is consume. And they're here and consuming and consuming and consuming and maybe then disappearing and become part of the American fabric against our will. So, Dr. McCormick, I, I want to, we just got about a minute left, but you, you mentioned about the diseases that we're seeing resurging. Part of the, the concern I think we should have here, and you can speak to this as a doctor, is that, you know, we have eliminated many of these diseases. In fact, some people haven't gotten vaccinations to these because we pretty much eradicated them. Are we at risk of seeing these things spread in historic level at historic levels we're seeing it right now uh, like i said we, we i just watched the news the last night and i watched a bunch of uh, uh diseases that are coming around that we haven't seen around since i haven't been when i was a kid i got vaccinated but my children never got vaccinated because we got rid of measles uh you know we have mmr we have all kinds of vaccinations but, but these people coming across the border are bringing new diseases well old diseases that most people are immune to they haven't been vaccinated uh, you're going to see hepatitis. I guarantee it. It's going to be one of those things that, once again, we're going to have to increase the number of vaccinations to our children and the, all the immune responses that go with that because 
we're bringing new diseases into the United States, or old ones that we haven't seen in a long time. That we had put the bed are now coming back because of policies. There's so many ramifications for lawlessness that we've allowed to take place at our southern border. Dr. McCormick, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, taking time out today to join us. Let's fight the good fight. Semper Fi. Semper Fi. All right, Senate Democrats uh, have looked to seize on the Alabama Supreme Court decision for a federal law. They say it's to protect IVF. But now, don't, don't, don't say I told you this, but they're not telling the truth. It, it, it does something, actually, it does a whole lot more. In fact, it doesn't even address IVF. It is a basket of all types of bad policy. We're going to talk about it next after the break. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. By the way, uh, border. You want to address the border issue, want to weigh in with the House leadership, text the word border to 67742. We're going to get that to them either this week or next. We're waiting for the right time. All right, Senate Democrats have manufactured another boogeyman. After last week's stunningly radical decision by the Alabama Supreme Court jeopardizing IVF access, the United States has become an embarrassment to the world. The decision by the Alabama Supreme Court is as cruel as it is enraging. Can I tell you what is the real embarrassment to America? Uh, I'm I'm not going to say it. All right. That was uh, Senate Scare Leader Chuck Schumer earlier today. As Democrats have proposed legislation, they claim, they claim 
emphasis is on they claim, creates federal protections for in vitro fertilization, even though it's not being threatened. In reality, this bill, read it for yourself, as written, raises numerous, numerous moral and bio, bioethical issues that go far beyond ensuring the IVF issue. Now, here are the facts. No state legislature has attempted to ban IVF, nor has any bill been proposed in Congress which would ban IVF, nor did the Alabama Supreme Court decision put it in jeopardy. In fact, it has no regulation for the most part. IVF needs to, but it's not under assault. The left is seizing on this opportunity to push some crazy stuff. Actually, this is like Frankenstein, what they're pushing. Joining me now to discuss this and more, Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith from Mississippi. She serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Committee on Appropriations. She's also the chair of the Senate Pro-Life Caucus. And just moments ago, she went to the floor to object to the Democrats' effort to push this bill forward. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Well, thank you for having me and giving me this opportunity. I truly appreciate that. So I, I, I watched you on the floor. We were just about to uh, to go on the air, and I know that this actually still being debated, so you're joining us by, by phone. You exposed what they were doing here. You went down the list of what this bill actually does. Share that with our listeners and our viewers. Well, you know, it, uh, it really, they had a lot of misinformation out there, and they're just attempting to exploit the emotions that are associated with IVF to pass their legislation, which, as you said, I revealed is very flawed. And, uh, you know, all the while hiding the harmful provisions in the bill and ultimately harming families. But uh, the thing that concerned me the most was to force the religious entities to violate their beliefs. Right. And to put out there, and um, that would just totally take away the Religious Freedoms Restoration Act. Right, that's so, the first piece know, of. I just couldn't let them get away with that. that. This is the first piece of legislation that explicitly waives the Religious Freedom Restoration Act going back to the 1990s, which Chuck Schumer was a, a supporter of back in the 90s. But as you pointed out on the Senate floor, this legalizes something that we have been fighting for many years, and that is human cloning which is already prohibited in many states, this would wipe those prohibitions away and legalize human cloning. Uh, it allows gene editing or the so-called designer babies. It legalizes the, this Frankensteinian type of, uh, of uh, creation of human-animal uh, uh, hybrids, these chimeras. Uh, th this stuff is unbelievable, and they're not talking about this on the Senate floor, are they? Well, they weren't until I got there. And, uh, you know, you just have to really keep an eye on that, that they were just looking for the opportunity to get these things in there that would legalize that while playing on everybody and saying, you know, we just can't believe you don't support the IVF and, uh, you know, how cruel and horrible that is. So somebody has to go to the floor and just really put it in clear terms that it did not ban IVF, nor right. has any state banned IVF. Right. And, uh, I mean, I am a total supporter of that. Um, my nephew and his wife have three beautiful children because of IVF. And, you know, no one 
on the Republican side that I can name you is in opposition of that. But to have a bill that had such overreach and, uh, I mean, full of things that uh, went way beyond, far beyond ensuring legal access to IVF, it, uh, it's just, I'm sure, part of the overall climate of being in a presidential election that they really wanted to drill that home and to make it out right. for things that certainly it did not contain. So very quickly, Senator, what are the next steps? This They wanted unanimous consent, meaning they could just advance it. You objected to that. So where does this leave them? Well, of course, they're going to have to start over. To I mean, to CR something that would legalize human cloning, you know, just instantly do it and it becomes always pretty incredible to start with. But they're going to have to start over. We're going to have to go through the committee process of anything that they want to do. And you just can't go to the floor and make sure it just passes with nobody in the chamber or that nobody is there to, I guess, how you would say, call them out on it right. and present the true facts of uh, what's going on. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of like the Trojan horse. Yeah. You know, they uh, just, it was full of things that no one was aware of. And they didn't want you to be aware of it. But we did the right thing by going down and objecting. And Mm. thankfully that the process allows for that, that we can stop it in its tracks. Well, you certainly did. And I appreciate you for, uh, appreciate you going down there and raising the awareness of what the bill actually does. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to talk with you. Great. Thank you so much. All right. All right, folks, after the break, Congressman Chris Smith joins me to follow up with his recent trip to Geneva. Remember, he joined us uh, on Monday from Geneva. And we're going to look at uh, the World Health Organization and UNRWA and their ties to Hamas and the fact that this administration wants to fund them. Go figure. All right, don't go away. We're back with more after this. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. 
You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Good to have you with us on Washington Watch on this Wednesday. If you want to sign the border petition, text the word border to 67742. That's 67742. By the way, men, if you live in New Jersey or New York, uh, FRC Stand Courageous will be in your neighborhood next month. That's Saturday, March 23rd, is our next Stand Courageous Men's Conference. All right, to find out more, go to standcourageous.com. Our word for today comes from Leviticus chapter 8, where instructions are given for the apparel of the priest. And he put the turban on his head, also on the turban on its front. He put the golden plate, the holy crown, inscribed with holiness to the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Leviticus kind of reminds me of one of those highlight magazines I used to look at when I was a kid. They had all these pictures with uh, all kinds of hidden objects that you had to find. Well, latent in these passages are pictures of God's plan of salvation. Here, the priest being consecrated or dedicated to service to God. Now, keep in mind that we as believers, we are all in the priesthood. As Peter wrote, we are a royal priesthood. For the Old Testament priest, there is first the call of God. Then there is the washing with water, symbolizing salvation. They are then clothed in white linen. This is the righteousness of Christ. We, too, are clothed in that righteousness. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible or text the word Bible to 67742. All right, the global bureaucratic effort from the World Health Organization to create a pandemic treaty continues even as the WHO's deadline for an agreement in May of this year rapidly approaches. We have, I think, enough time if there is political commitment to have a deal and have the um, uh, agreement by May 2024, so it will be endorsed in our in our assembly. That was WHO Secretary General Tedros Ghebreyesus uh, this week pushing once again this global power grab. Now many concerns continue to surround this proposed treaty the lack of transparency, the backroom negotiations, WHO's overreach, and the infringement on U.S. sovereignty, unknown financial obligations for taxpayers, and what they want to do is censor speech that would challenge what they would do 
in a pandemic or other emergency. Joining me now to discuss this and much more is Congressman Chris Smith, a senior member of the House Committee on Foreign Affairs and a co-chair of the House Task Force for Combating Anti-Semitism. He represents the 4th Congressional District of New Jersey, and he was just over in Geneva at the World Health Organization. Also, he uh, spoke to the issue of UNRWA at the U.N. Watch, and we're going to talk about that as well. Congressman Smith, welcome back to the program. Good to see you. Great to see you again, Tony. Thank you. Glad you made it back to the States safely, that you got out of the WHO building before they declared an emergency. So uh, (laughs) before we discuss the WHO, you just returned from the International Summit for a Future Beyond UNRWA, the United Nations Relief Work Agency that is, uh, well, quite frankly, the, they've been connected to Hamas. In fact, an intelligence report f- that the Wall Street Journal ran from the Israelis said that it, as many as 10 percent of the 12,000 employees of uh, UNRWA are connected to Hamas or one of the other jihadist organizations. No, it's an outrage that the U.S. taxpayer uh, has provided $7 billion over the years uh, and Biden has provided at least a billion and wants to give much more to UNRWA, uh, the UN Works Relief uh, Agency. Uh, it is run uh, basically by Hamas-inclined uh, individuals, if not Hamas itself. There's very rarely a distinction between the two. And, and Tony, what they do is um, uh, they train up young people to hate Jews, uh, and they do it methodically in the schools. And you wonder why there are so many poisoned Palestinian youth who should be learning about tolerance and respect for others are learning to hate Jewish boys and girls and men and women. Uh, it is, I, I've seen the textbooks. I've had hearings in the past. I've had three hearings in the last nine months alone. Uh, the last one, Brian Mast and I did a, co, you know, a joint hearing, and we made it so clear. We heard from experts who told us just how bad it really is, and it only confirms what we've known for decades, I offered an amendment, Tony, in 2003 to shift all the money away from UNRWA and put it to non-governmental organizations that could be vetted to ensure that it goes to non-anti-Semitic entities. Uh, and, and it never got a vote in the Senate. And um, so now we're up against it again. And, and when you said the 10 percent, you're absolutely right. Uh, but the tip of the iceberg is that it's much, if not overwhelming majority of Palestinians Uh, especially young people who have been in these schools. They are really child soldier schools where you build up this hatred that is unfettered towards Jewish people and to the state of Israel and wonder why they commit atrocities that are unspeakable. Yeah, I I just want to be very clear for our viewers and listeners. You know, there's attention has been given to this since October the 7th when the atrocities were committed by uh, Hamas as they crossed into Israel and, and literally butchered, tortured captured, raped, pillaged uh, the innocent civilians. This goes back two decades or more. I mean, they, they go back to 1949 when when UNRWA was created. But this is not new. You have been you've been in Congress a long time and you have yeah. been warning about this. What we saw on October the 7th, from my perspective, and I've seen this for a decade and a half when I've gone to Israel multiple times and looked at the textbooks, looked at the material, this is the fruit of what UNRWA has been exactly. sowing for decades. Exactly. 
And, you know, we weren't heard, and I've raised it with the Bush administration, obviously with the Obama and now Trump. Trump actually did the right thing. He defunded them completely because of their anti-Semitism that is lethal and is having, as you said, you know, why are we surprised when they do all of these horrific things to Jewish people? Because they've been taught to do it, and they think they're getting rewarded uh, both in this life and in the next when they do it. Uh, I mean, it is, it is, it is, it's an abomination. And, uh, and we've raised it, and, and UNRWA comes over and talks to some people, some diplomats talk to others and say, oh, we fixed it. And I, and I'm not alone in this, say, there's no fixing yeah, of right. this. It, you know, we haven't had it. And now I just got a piece of legislation passed in the Foreign Affairs Committee that will completely defund UNRWA and put the money elsewhere uh, for people who need food, clothing, and shelter. Yeah, th th this can't be fixed. Th this can't be fixed. Can't be fixed. You, you, you cannot fix this organization. It is, it is corrupt at its core. I, I want to switch to another topic, another area that you've been warning your colleagues in Congress, the American people. Literally, you've been sounding a global alarm to the World Health Organization and their global power grab as they are pushing for the ratification of a pandemic treaty. They're calling it an accord, but it's a treaty and its effect. By May, uh, you spoke to this uh, over in Geneva. Give us the latest. Yeah, uh, they're on a fast track. Uh, much of this has been done without very much scrutiny or insight. You joined us, and you were very powerful when you spoke at the press conference we had several weeks ago. Uh, there are so many unanswered questions, but what we do know from the draft of this pandemic treaty uh, is that it will, it, it, will, it will be binding. They say it right in the treaty. It'll be just as if the U.S. Congress and the president signed a law that does all of these things. It promotes abortion on demand in Article 6, uh, which, which is very clear. It also, uh, you know, you talked about the, the whole idea of the uh, uh, combating. They have a language in Article 18 about combating false, misleading, uh, misinformation, so-called, or disinformation. Uh, how about the misinformation and disinformation that came from WHO itself about the origins as well as the, the lethality and transferability of COVID-19? They lied, and they did whatever the Chinese Communist Party wanted them to do, because uh, Tejos got his job from Xi Jinping, the communist dictator there. Uh, so, you know, we're going to be, and this will be a matter of law. You know, we've asked and demanded that if it does get approved, that Biden submit it to the Senate for ratification so it could be looked at from top to bottom. He's very likely to do an executive agreement. That's what I talked about uh, to members uh, who over there who are negotiating, uh, which bypasses Congress, exactly what he did with the Iran nuclear deal. And I did talk to a number of people who were concerned that there's no more emphasis on, on the issue of, of uh, um, uh, being faithful. Remember the old ABC, right. abstinence, be faithful? Uh, you know, that's like gone by the wings. And, and you have, you know, empowering, unfortunately, a lot of men to have multiple sex partners among young women. And this terrible uh, AIDS pandemic um, has not been completely overcome by a long shot because it has unleashed that kind of uh, bad behavior towards women. Uh, especially young women. So, you know, where, where does this, you know, uh, do anything about that? It, it also, beginning in 2026, we, the United States government, taxpayers uh, is what I'm talking about, will be assessed a certain amount of money, which could be in the billions, we don't know how much, uh, and, and because it's a treaty and it's binding, uh, we have to pay it. And if there is another pandemic, like COVID-19, uh, they have enormous new powers based on the drafts I've seen, and it's not done yet, 
uh, to tell us, to mandate, that what they have to do. I mean, look what Biden did when he mandated that businesses provide the COVID vaccine uh, under the OSHA. Remember, or, right. uh, uh, you know, he had no power to do it. He did it. To its credit, the U.S. Supreme Court stopped it. But how are we going to stop this when Tedros and company tell us you've got to provide vaccines to two-year-olds or you have to have, you know, uh, you know, close up your shops and, and, and shut down everything, uh, you know, whatever the next. There could be advice given. That would be one thing. But the, it's unclear how coercive their powers will be to impose that upon the United States of America and other countries. Is there a precedent in the U.N. of this type of power being given to an agency? That's a great question. I don't know of any where they have been. You know, most of the U.N. treaties and covenants uh, don't have enforcement capabilities. I mean, the U.N. Human Rights, you know, the Refugee Convention and all the others, the one on human rights, uh, and there are a number of them. We've ratified the Refugee Convention. Uh, they don't have an enforcement capability. This is binding and I say that with exclamation points. This is as if, like I said, we passed a law, House and Senate signed by the president, uh, and we will have to do this. Right. And, that, and the first manifestation will be that when these unelected bureaucrats tell us how much we have to give. Well, when you look at, when you actually read the language of what's out there, yeah. and it keeps changing, it's a moving target, but the word shall appears about 170 times, if I'm not mistaken, exactly. going off the, my memory, of this, it's not will or could or, or may, it or is should, shall, right, which exactly. is a very right. specific legal, legally binding term. Oh, without a doubt. And when you look at what Tedros himself has done, he has entered into these cooperative agreements with a number of very vociferously pro-abortion groups, including Planned Parenthood, including a group out of the European Union. And he tried to do one with the Center for Reproductive Rights and all of us, you know, right. and the pro-life NGOs, including FRC, rallied and said, don't do it. It's been delayed. It has not been denied. Uh, so what I'm saying is that we have a situation where they are all in on promoting the LGBTQ agenda and the abortion till birth agenda. And just so that everyone listening knows, WHO used to be agnostic on the issue of abortion. Uh, they have completely and radically changed. They're just like Planned Parenthood and other organizations. Uh, and they have model legislation for every country in the world that says, no gestational limits on abortion right up until the moment of birth. No conscience protections for healthcare professionals, including doctors, uh, OBGYNs who not, don't want to do it or be participants, uh, and, and publicly funded right. through and, taxpayer funds. And, and, and no reservations whatsoever, Tony. Not one. And you, you can't, can't say, challenge them. Because you if you challenge, like this program would be considered to be misinformation and they would have the, 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 the weight of law to silence. It's just like the, the Biden administration worked with social media giants to silence critics right. during COVID. Yeah, exactly. uh, Chris, very quickly, we only got about two minutes left. I want to go okay. to a, a third topic because it's another sure. issue you've been working on. You made kind of a reference to this about the, the global AIDS problem. Uh, yes. PEPFAR back during the Bush administration was passed, initially a pretty good program, but it's been hijacked by the Biden administration, and there's a push to renew it. And this money's going to go and be diverted to promote things that are antithetical to a pro-family viewpoint of life. You absolutely subbed it up correctly, Tony. Uh, and unfortunately, there are some pro-lifers who are willing to look askance at the evidence, which is overwhelming, that Biden has hijacked this. And even there, where is the top-to-bottom review as to 
these thousands of grantees and subgrantees who are getting the money. What are they actually doing? Uh, Biden put out guidance to all of the non-governmental organizations getting this money uh, when he did the reimagining of PEPFAR, which means they just changed, you know, what the what they're supposed to be doing, which is mitigating that pandemic and helping people, mother-to-child transmission, and said change the laws, change the laws on LGBTQ, change it on abortion, and do it. You have our full blessing to do it. So uh, there's a critical mess. It's almost you know like a Trojan horse. In comes all of this. Six billion plus per year from the United States government, which we, you know, those of us who think that it was a good idea because uh, we want to stop a pandemic called AIDS. Uh, but then they hijack it and they have this other agenda where the NGOs who are antithetical, to use your word, uh, that to everything we believe in, are also pushing that simultaneously in all of these countries. And, you know, they use all of the well honed strategies they use right here in Washington, D.C., uh, all of the, the hyperbole and disinformation. Uh, about abortion being so safe. It's not safe to the baby. It's 100% unsafe, and it's not safe to the moms. Right. They're also training healthcare professionals who will then, in a dual role, will be giving out the abortion pill. Yeah. Uh, what does that do? It starves the baby to death. Chris. And, and WHO is all in for that. We're, we're well. up, against, and, uh, up against a break, but we're going to have to unpack this further, and uh, we're going to have you back on to talk about it. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Tony. Folks, text... WHO to 67742 to defund this organization. WHO to 67742. Thanks so much for being with us today. And until next time, you got it. Keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 